I'm Dean Ulsher, and this is The Really Big Questions. It's the podcast that asks really big questions. And today we're asking hard questions about storytelling. Stories are super dangerous, and I think it's why most of my life I resisted them. Anne Bogart is an author and a playwright. She's the artistic director of the City Theater Company in New York City. That's S-I-T-I. And in a new book, she has some interesting things to say about why she's changed course and embraced storytelling once again. I dropped in on a day when her company was in rehearsal. Let's do that one more time and then we'll move on. I think that there are two ways you can tell a story. And I think I'm not a fan of Spielberg. And the reason I don't like Spielberg is because I think the intention is for every person watching to feel the same thing. And it's actually easy to make me cry. I cry at advertisements. You know, you have a, a little boy and a dog who've been separated for a month and they run across a, a field, I burst into tears. You can make me cry, but that's actually cheap. And the other way to tell a story is to create moments in which every audience feels something different or has different associations. Much, much trickier. It requires more responsibility. And so how to create moments on stage that have room for an audience. So I don't think that sort of fascistic art, which is art that has a story that has everybody feeling the same thing. And I say fascistic because, and I mean it literally, the role of fascist art was to make everything one feel small and the same. And the role of humanist art, I would just make up a name, is for everyone to feel that they take up a lot of space and that they have an imaginative and associative part to play. So the notion of participation or imaginistic participation is key to telling a story that does not simply distract but actually helps actually live better, if you understand what I mean. So you've helped me understand some more nuance about my complaint about storytelling. You've just given voice to it right there. It's not only in the theater. It's on the radio. It's in books. The idea of the author now is that person has to have digested the information for you and then told you mm-hmm. what the re- conclusion is as opposed to laying out. Uh, well, what I like about your book is I feel like you you give us the ingredients to a salad. You Here's some romaine. Here's some pecorino. Here's yeah, a yeah. tomato. You make the salad in your own head. The moment that I've actually heard about that made me realize this is everything I'm trying to do in art comes from the pianist Alfred Brendel. You know, the great pianist who is known for his uh, Beethoven sonatas. And he said that when he gets in concert to the end of a sonata, and just before the last chord, he lifts his hands in concert and silently asks the audience how long he can wait until he plays the final chord. That, for me, is the key that will keep me doing theater forever and never make a film or anything else. That notion of the relationship. And also, the theater is mostly mimetic, meaning it is embodied. And so what happens in embodied art is that if you're watching a play, your mirror neurons are actually going wild and doing the same thing as the actors are doing. And your action as an audience is to restrain yourself from doing. That's really interesting. It's not, say, in film where you lean back and you let it wash over you. You are actually acting with the actors and you are restraining from doing what they're doing. That's a very active relationship that story can provoke. You know? So I think story is a method to create more aliveness. I agree. Rather than less. Yeah, I totally agree. Sum up for me your idea about story and distraction. Stories are a way of competing with that that impulse for distraction, right? They're a way of bringing us back to ourselves. 
it's more, I guess, a fight against the addiction of our time, which is the the ping addiction, the addiction to, you know, we walk around with our cell phones in our hands. Like, what does that mean? And I do that too. A story demands more from a human being. It demands not only attention, which is a great thing to develop. It demands empathy. You actually have to care about something in the story. It requires craft because to tell a story, you need uh, what the entrance into the belly of the whale, the catch, what, what gets your attention, the hook, and then what brings you with us. So stories are, um, are beautiful little mini worlds that do require sustained attention and empathy, which is something we seem to be suffering in its lack or those lacks of empathy and attention. So perhaps it is an antidote. One of the things that, that I'm a little sus- skeptical about is that story can mesmerize us. Mm-hmm. And in fact, research is showing that stories break down our critical function. <laughs> and we, we're suckers for stories. That doesn't mean I don't enjoy them as art. But when they start to get into our politics, which they do in a big way, and even in our science, mm-hmm. uh, that's when I get scared for us. Well, stories are super dangerous. And I think it's why most of my life I resisted them and was such a deconstructivist in a sense. And yet, and yet it's a tool, a story is a tool. So the question is, can you be responsible with stories? And can you find room for discourse inside of stories? It's just too easy for stories, as I said before, to be fascistic. Yeah, right. but, But I do not believe that we're ever going to get away from stories. And so therefore we have to learn how to live with them or to live in relationship to them. They are propaganda, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I use stories all the time to get my point across, and that's kind of propaganda too, or to talk people into my point of view. And they're powerful, and they're seductive. And, and yet, in the theater, in my business, we are in the business of transporting stories through time. I mean, the great stories that last are the ones that we're still working on. So the great great Greek plays, for example, still exist because we're still hubristic. And the stories are about us dealing with hubrism. So uh, yes, stories are dangerous, but also stories are are necessary. That's playwright and author Anne Bogart. Her new book is called What's the Story? Essays about art, theater, and storytelling. You can hear and see more about the science of storytelling on our website, trbq.org. And there you can find our one-hour-long radio special called What's Your Story? You can catch up with us on Twitter and on Facebook. And there you can ask us your really big question. This podcast was produced by Emily Havik and Chris Julin. The Really Big Questions is a project of Sound Vision Productions with funding from the National Science Foundation. I'm Dean Olsher.